you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. God willing, we'll be studying verses 11 through 14 tonight. Proverbs 1, verses 11 through 14. Actually, 12 through 14. We studied 11 uh, last week, where Solomon said, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And in that verse, we learn that sinners entice. That's what they do. But praise God, he has given us a choice to whether uh, we choose to consent to that enticement or not. Am I too loud for anybody? Everything okay, good deal. Um, Could you turn me down just a tad bit on that monitor, just a tad bit? It's almost perfect, just a little bit. Thank you. That's wonderful. So God's given us that choice. We also learned that there is no transgression committed when there is no consent given in our hearts. And that is a relief in our minds in certain circumstances. And now in the next few verses, Solomon is going to give us an example of how a sinner, a group of sinners, might entice somebody. And so uh, Solomon says in verse, well, it is 11, isn't it? Yes, I thought so. I said 11 through. My notes was right in one place and wrong in another place. So uh, so he's, they say in verse 11, if they say, come with us, come with us. Now, I underscored in my notes those three words, come with us. Sin is very deceptive. It has a way of making you feel like if you don't participate in it, you're going to be missing out on a good thing. Boy, you don't want to miss out on this. Hey, come with us. We're giving you the opportunity of a lifetime. Sin always delivers a great sales pitch. And it makes the victims feel welcome. Just like bait draws a rat into a trap. And as we noted last week, and we're going to notice again tonight, that the enticers here are in the plural. If sinners entice, and now look tonight, if they say, come with us, all plural. Mark this down. The devil's lie is often loud and spoken to us by a crowd. The devil's lie is often loud and spoken to us by a crowd. What the devil lacks in substance, he tries to make up for in volume. Y'all ever seen people like that? They really don't have a whole lot of wise stuff to say, so they just say it loudly. There's people like that. <laughs> but, but truth will always be able to stand on its own two feet. doesn't need all the bells and whistles and things like that. Truth doesn't need a propaganda machine or a cheering squad to convince people. Truth doesn't need celebrities to endorse it. <laughs> But because lies lack substance, lies aren't real because they're not true. So they have no substance at all. And because lies lack substance, then the devil 
often needs a little help getting people to believe the lies that he gives. The devil knows that if you shout a lie loud enough, long enough, and uh, by enough people, he knows eventually it's going to be, be believed by many people. We see it all the time, don't we? The devil uses celebrities to spread lies, does it all the time. The devil uses crowds, the masses, to spread lies. But God doesn't use methods like that. Why doesn't God use methods like that? Well, he doesn't want our faith in a Hollywood actor. How about that? (laughs) He doesn't want our faith in the crowd. The crowd's not always right. Doesn't want our faith in the propaganda machine and in a bunch of people. He wants our faith to be in his word. I have people all the time write me on the website and they'll think they're they're not saved because they don't feel a certain way. They want to feel this good, peaceful feeling. And I said, God's not going to give you that feeling. I said, now, it feels good to know you're on your way to heaven. But God's not going to give you some feeling to give you peace that you believe. I said, let me ask you something right now. I've asked so many people this. I'd say, if suddenly right now, this feeling of peace swept over you as we're talking, and you felt like you was on your way to heaven, I said, would that help you to believe? They'd say, yes, it would. I said, well, what happens when the feeling goes away? They said, well, I might start doubting again. I said, well, then your faith would be in your feeling and not in what God says. <laughs> you know, that's just the short and sweet of it. And so, the, but if they say, come with us, the devil loves to entice with a crowd, loves to put in your mind, well, all these people can't be wrong, but they are wrong if they go against God's word. Solomon said, if sinners entice you and say, come with us, look back in your text, let us lay wait for blood. It's kind of gross, isn't it? You know what Solomon's talking about here? Solomon's getting very real. And nowadays, when you watch what's going on today, this is very real. Solomon is talking about a a plan to commit robbery, armed robbery. That's what Solomon's talking about here. Now, theft, legally speaking, theft is when you take something that doesn't belong to you. Robbery is when you take something that doesn't belong to you and you use force or the threat of force to take that. All right. So if if I um, if if I uh, see your car and I go and I slip in your car and you let the keys in and I drive off, well, I just committed theft. If I come up to your car and you're inside the car and I point a gun at you and I carjack you, now that's robbery. You see the difference? And so Solomon here is talking about a plot to commit armed robbery. And uh, here's the temptation most probably offered to a young man. That's how I picture this right here. A young man to join up with a gang of robbers. And this temptation has been offered to countless young men over the years, whether it comes in the form of a a plan, uh, an invitation to participate in a bank robbery, or back in the day in a stagecoach robbery, train robbery, home invasions. That still happens today. Life insurance fraud, uh, whatever form it takes. When people are looking for easy money, 
they'll often consider taking the life of another person so they can steal that person's wealth. Happens every day in the United States, every day around the world. Years ago when I was on the highway patrol, I arrested a man for committing this very type of crime. He and a group of other men, they had done just like Solomon was talking about here. They got together and got a group of guys together and they plotted to go rob a house in Jacksonville, Texas. They plotted to lay wait for blood. And uh, just like Solomon is describing. So when I read this, it, it becomes very personal to me as I, as I, as I look at it. But, but they figured out, they had it all figured out how they were going to do it. How they'd commit violence upon innocent people. They said one to another, look back in your text, let us lurk privily. Let us lurk privily. In other words, hey, we've got a plan all worked out. It'll be a sure thing. We'll work privily. In other words, we'll be real sneaky about it so that we don't get caught and nothing's going to happen to us. Boy, famous last words, huh? Underscore in your text the words lurk privily. Now let me tell you this, lurking privily, it means sneaking around. If you have to sneak around to get something, then it's not worth having. You got it? If you've got to sneak around to get something, it's not worth having. Whether it's a relationship with another woman, whether it's some kind of financial gain, if you've got to sneak around, listen, I, I want to be able to hold my head up high no matter what I do. I don't want to be ashamed about anything that I've got going on. I want the kind of job that I can be proud of. I want you to notice how this enticement to sin includes a plan let us lurk privily so when they say come with us come join with us on this this armed robbery included with that enticement it's built in where there's some kind of safeguard where they will keep the sinner out of trouble that's how sin will approach you sin will often approach you not only tempting you to commit the sin but offering you some way of being able to escape the judgment of God. That's what it does. That's how the devil works. He'll tell you, you're a long way from home. Man, I tell you what, I spent so many nights away from home uh, when I worked for the state. I'd be in a hotel room all by myself. And I like what Agent Rogers said one time when I was a young man, I was listening to him preach. He said, the time to decide what you're going to watch on that television, the time to decide what you're going to do in your hotel room, the time to decide what you're going to do when you go out of town when nobody you know is watching you. The time to decide is before you go. That's the time to make up in your heart what you're going to do. The devil will tell you, you're a long way from home. Your wife will never know you cheated on her. The devil will tell you, if you cover your tracks well, the company will never find that missing money. Lady I knew, uh, I grew up with her daughter. She stole money from the bank there in Athens. No telling how long she took it. Eventually it caught up with her. That's what the devil will say. They'll never find that missing money. The devil will say, you can get away with the sin if you'll just lurk privily. Just be real careful. And you can miss out. If you're smart, the devil will tell you, 
you'll never get caught. See, that's the problem everyone else got caught. They weren't smart. But you're smart. You can keep from getting caught. Here's how. So don't let that sin fool you. But here's the fact. If you get something by lurking privily, you'll never be able to enjoy it publicly. And we'll say it again. If you get something by lurking privily, you'll never be able to enjoy it publicly. That's why people have to launder money, Brother Shepherd. <laughs> they have to launder money. They got it privily. They were lurking privily when they got it. Now they've got to be able to explain where all this came from. And so they spend the rest of their time trying to launder it, keep the lie going and everything. They commit the crime privily, but then they have to find some way to justify the money they came into publicly. But the truth is, no matter how well you plan a crime, almost everybody gets caught. Almost everybody gets caught eventually. And even if you don't get caught, yeah, you'll get it in heaven for sure. You'll get it at the judgment, rather. Uh, but, but if you don't get caught here on earth, that's for sure. But let me tell you, even if you don't get caught here on earth, that crime that you commit will follow you around the rest of your life. It will. In the back of your mind, I, I read the other day where there was a man that committed a bank robbery as a young man. It, this happened just uh, a few months ago where he had committed a bank robbery as a young man. I mean, like, I think in the 70s. And then he left his family and never contacted, supposedly never contacted them again, was very, very disciplined. And his family assumed he was dead or something. All those decades, he assumed another name, managed to get a social security card under a fake name, created a new identity, married a woman, had a family, and totally separated from his family with all that money. And all those years, the U.S. Marshal Service had been trying to track that man down. You know when they found him? After he died. Pretty, like right after he died, they got a hold of his wife. And uh, she said, yes. She said, before he died, like on his deathbed, he called us near and told us who he really was. Told us about a bank robbery he committed. It's true. That is your man who you were looking for. It was important to him for some reason to let his family know he'd been living a lie. This is who I really am. This is my real name. I have a family over here, you know. I abandoned them. And, uh, you know, that crime followed him around his entire life. Don't you know that all the time that they came up with new technology, facial recognition systems and things like that. You know, they've got that now. When you go to the driver's license office, they take your picture. It goes in a database now. You commit a crime, they can match it up just like a fingerprint. They were doing that right before I retired. All this stuff comes out. Don't you know someone like that? Well, every time they read something like that in the newspaper, they think, when's it going to be? When am I going to get that knock at the door? 
When they're going to leave me off handcuffed? When are they going to uncover uh, some type of clue? It, it, when something like that's going to surface? When, when is somebody that I went in with this on this crime going to, going to uh, rat me out and I'm going to get caught? You know, I don't want to live the rest of my life looking over my shoulder. Wondering if I'm ever going to get caught. I love being able to lay my head down the bed with a clear conscience. There's nothing like it. If you have to lurk privily to get something, it's not worth it. Whatever you're after, it's not worth having. And if you have to commit the offense of robbery, then you are lurking. Look back in your text. You're lurking for the innocent without cause. Now, I don't mind lurking for someone with cause, (laughs) you know. If there's a just cause, I don't mind hunting down a bad guy to protect somebody. There, the, the building that I work in, uh, we're responsible for protecting the federal judiciary. But the building I work in is a public building. It's a high-rise building. And so there are many other private uh, entities there as well lawyers offices and real estate firms or whatever there's a lot of different public buildings there in that high rise and so they asked for volunteers and wanted to know if I'd be willing to sign up on a uh, active shooter response team and be able to go and hopefully beat the police department there and put down a bad guy and I said sure I'll do it as long as the U.S. Marshal Service is happy with it, I'll, I'll be fine to do it. And, uh, and so I got put on that team a while back. And, and, you know, I don't mind. If there's a bad guy out there shooting at somebody, by the grace of God, I'm going to do my best to find that bad guy. I don't mind lurking for him, getting sneaky. and pow, pow, pow. I don't mind that. That's with a good cause. That's a just cause. But when you're trying to take the life of a person to take their stuff from them, that's lurking for blood, for innocent blood, without cause. There's no cause in all of that. But you know, some people find pleasure in exercising power over innocent people, in hurting them for no reason at all. They get pleasure out of that. We've all seen, I I would assume most of us have all seen videos of innocent people being assaulted without a cause. I've seen them, whether on the news or social media or whatever, and it, 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 it makes cowardly people feel powerful when they can hurt other people. And speaking of the innocent, they say, look in verse 12, they say, let us swallow them up alive as the grave. This is a plot to take someone's life. That's what Solomon's discussing here. He's discussing a plot To kill somebody. And again it happens every day in the United States. Not simply a a plan to assault someone. But a a plan to take their life from them. Not to maim them partly. And to, to, to partly destroy their lives. But to swallow them as the grave. Look back in the text. In whole. As those that go down. Into the pit. That's what Cain did when he killed his brother. With Abel out of the way, Cain could seize on his inheritance. Yeah. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did with Jesus. That's the same kind of plot that Jesus Jesus had to endure that Solomon is talking about right here. They committed this very kind of plot. Jesus described their plot in Mark 12, verse 7. 
if you want to write that down in your notes. He said, speaking of those who sought and took his life or would take his life, he said, those husbandmen said among themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him and the inheritance shall be ours. This is there. Let us kill him. See how they're getting together? Hey, come with us. Let's lurk privily for innocent blood. Well, the inheritance will be ours. Man, we'll get all kinds of good stuff. So, so they could take Jesus' inheritance. They plan to swallow him whole as those that go down uh, into the pit. And many cast their lot in with them and said, crucify him, crucify him. And they lurk privily for him too. Just like Solomon said, Matthew 26, verse 3 through 5 says, Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and they consulted. What are they doing? They're plotting how they can lurk privily. They consulted they might take Jesus by subtlety. You see that? Lurking privily. And kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, Lest there be an uproar among the people. Even though they publicly killed Jesus. They were still lurking privily. Why? Because they disguised their own selfish motives. In the cloak of religious zeal. That's how they did it. The people I told you about. uh, That uh, one of the main men I arrested in Jacksonville. When I was on patrol who plotted a, to rob a house there in Jacksonville, uh, they lurked privily too. You know what they did? They went to this house. They had it all planned out. They went to this house, and they kicked the door in on the house. Kicked the door in. And when they went to that house, you know what they did? They said, police, police, get on the ground, get on the ground. Well, my goodness, if you're a law-abiding citizen... What are you wanting to do? You don't want to fight against the police. But like the men Solomon's warning us about, they were lying wait for innocent blood. When when they entered the home, they shot and killed a, a special needs girl, a handicapped girl. That girl couldn't do anything to anybody. It didn't matter. They killed her. They swallowed her up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. In other words, they put the innocent to death as if they were guilty. That's kind of what that verse is talking about. They put the innocent to death as if they were guilty. Just like the Jews did Jesus, they rewarded evil for good. Some young people like the idea of killing someone because they want the reputation of being a tough guy. You know, they want that reputation. Being a tough guy. You know what? Being a thug, being a bully, being a murderer doesn't make you tough. Killing the innocent doesn't make you tough. If you want to be tough, try defending the innocent. You want to be tough, try battling cancer. Try standing for what's right in a world that's gone wrong. That's a whole lot tougher. Not killing an innocent person that seeks no harm to you. 
Why did they kill Jesus? They wanted his inheritance. They wanted to keep their jobs in the temple and continue to receive the praise of men and the chief seats in the synagogues. Why did they rob the house and kill that little girl in Jacksonville? They wanted to steal their stuff. So the reward of taking the life of an innocent person is that you get to take their stuff. That's the enticement these sinners are making. They said, we will lay wait for blood. Look back in verse 13. We shall find all precious substance. Financial reward. When people don't have Jesus, the material things of this world are the only precious substance they have. Look at those two words in your text, precious substance. You see what's precious to these people? Earthly, material things. And if your heart is set on earthly, material things, it's going to affect how you think about people. That's what we see right here in the text. The fact that some of these people are willing to kill for earthly, material goods shows how little regard they have for human life. Over the past few years, I've read in the news where people have been murdered even by their own family members over the most trivial things. Here's a question. What is precious to you? What is your precious substance? Mark this down. When material things are your precious substance, you will have a low regard for human life. When material things are your precious substance, you will have a low regard for human life. You'll begin to use people and harm them instead of loving people and caring for them. On the other hand, when God is your precious substance, you'll have a high regard for human life. Why, why did Brother White want us to pray for the, the unborn and, 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 and for the the, the freedom of people. Because when God's your precious substance, you have a high regard for humanity. You'll love people and you'll care for them instead of wanting to use people and destroy them. The sinner says, we will find precious substance when we take the life of the innocent. The gospel says, Jesus, you will find precious substance when you give your life for the guilty. How backwards is that? The sinner the sinner entices and says, you can find precious substance if you'll take the life of the innocent. The father says to the son in the gospel message, you'll find precious substance when you give your life for the guilty. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, the father says to Jesus, ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. That was the precious substance to Christ, you and me. And he gave his life for the guilty. His will, his heart was to do the will of his father. And because of that, he had a high regard for human life. Isn't that amazing? So much so that he gave his own for us. When we belong to Christ, the world belongs to us forever. But for those who do not know Christ, they cannot fill their hearts with the promise of eternal life. And because they can't, they can only fill their houses with earthly substance for a short time here on earth.
They can't fill their hearts with the joy of knowing they have eternal life. They can't fill their hearts with a a one-on-one relationship with God. So they can only fill their houses for a short time on this earth. Listen to their motive. They say, look back in your text, we shall fill our houses with spoil. That's all they can fill. They can stuff a house made out of earth with other junk that's made out of earth for a short time. (laughs) That's the best sin can give you. Putting something made out of the earth into a house that's made out of the earth for a short time and then it's done. We shall fill our houses with spoil. That's the best their sin can give them. We will be rich. We'll have everything we want. It reminds me of those old western movies. And I love watching those old western movies. When that group of outlaws, they're getting together and they plot to take innocent life. They're going to plan on that next robbery they're going to commit. And when they get this next robbery done, they're going to have enough money they can settle down by their own place, by their own ranch. Never does work out in the movies. Doesn't work out in real life either. Here's the truth. And listen, I worked, I worked theft, burglary, robbery. I worked that stuff for years, for years. And I'm telling you the truth. The truth is ill-gotten gain will usually empty a house, not fill it. Ill-gotten gain will usually empty a house and not fill it. I spent years investigating thieves which ran into other crimes. And, and I think people that steal the most usually have the least. That's what I found out. They steal the most, they usually have the least. Instead of filling their houses with treasures like they dreamed their sins are going to allow them to do, they end up filling their house with trouble. You can take every little thing into account. You can plot and you can plan your sin, your crime, all you want to. But sin will never work out like you planned it. I worked a particular group of thieves several years back. Worst thieves I ever worked. And uh, it was a whole family full of thieves. And I, I, I served a search one on her house. And I was talking to the local sheriff's department at that time. These were like third generation thieves I was working. They were good. But, um, and they stole a lot. But they all lived in ratty old trailers that looked like they were falling apart in a ratty old property. I think, man, you steal hundreds of thousands of dollars of stuff every year. And this is all you've got? In and out of jail. And the sheriff's department told me, said it was a true story. They said they had gone there to that house one time to serve a search warrant on this same family. And the grandmother was trying to get one of her kids out of jail. And she had some plot where she was going to fake an injury or something and try to get some kind of insurance money and use that to help bond one of her kids out out of jail. So she shot herself in the arm. And it didn't work out like she thought it would. They said, Richard, when our agency came up here, we ran that search warrant. We were searching for stuff in the house. They said, we opened the freezer. That woman's arm was in the freezer. She wanted to keep her arm. What's that like? 
living a life where you think, man, we can do this and we can take this and we can get all this stuff. And instead of filling their house with treasure, they fill their house with trouble. Grandma's arms in the freezer. What do you set it next to the pork roast? I don't know. But these are not made up stories. These are real things that we experience. And then you read this here in the Bible and you think Solomon knows what he's talking about here. Listen to his warning. Sin will never add to the quality of your life. It will always take away from it. But listen to this band of robbers and then we'll... We'll close in verse 14. They will tell you. Look in verse 14. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. In other words. We'll pull the robbery together. And then we'll split the money. Equally among ourselves. Yeah right. Again you know what the truth is. If they're willing to steal and kill. From an innocent person. They'll be willing to steal from you. I know by experience that people who will join in with you on a crime. That quick will testify against you to keep themselves out of prison. Isn't that right, Brother Shepherd? That quick, buddy. That quick. There's no honor among thieves. Don't be so naive. Thieves and murderers, they don't care about you. They care about themselves. That's why they do what they do. Remember, if they're willing to kill for precious substance, then people are not their precious substance. And you're a person. That includes you. And God willing, we'll continue this proverb next Wednesday night. Good practical advice. If people would just, if the world would just read these proverbs and soak them in, follow God's law, they'd be so much better off. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you, Father, that we can follow your word and fill our houses with eternal treasures, peace, joy. And Lord, someone who continues to steal and steal and steal, it shows us, Lord, that they'll live their lives never being content with what they have, never happy, never satisfied in their life. But Lord, with Christ, we can learn to be content with whatever we have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And God, we thank you for your precious word.